You're listening to the Gospel of Mark, a series preached by Pastor Dan Christians at Maple City Baptist Church in Chatham, Ontario. For more information about Maple City, please visit us online at maplecitybaptistchurch.com. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Mark chapter 4. In Mark chapter 4, in just a few moments, I remember as a child growing up, a few things about our house. I don't remember much. I don't have a mind for the details. But I do remember in our bathroom, there was a piece of art that hung on the wall. And I'm sure you've seen something like this before. It was a picture of sand, of a, like a beach, that had two sets of footprints on it. Have you seen this one before? Footprints in the sand? Right? And it's, it's a poem. And I remember reading that poem multiple times and thinking, oh, that's so nice. Right? You read the story about this man who... As he walks on the beach, he sees his life flash before his eyes. And as he sees the scenes in his life, he notices that there's two sets of footprints. But then all of a sudden, he goes through a time that's really hard and painful and difficult. And as he goes through that time, he notices that there's only one set of footprints. And so he asks the Lord, Lord, what's going on? Why did you leave me while I was going through my pain and difficulty? And the Lord turns to him and says, I didn't leave you. It was during those times that I carried you. It's a great poem. God is with us in the storm. But as I thought more and more about that poem, and I thought more and more about that idea that we just go through life and God is going with us, and then, you know, at, at some point we go through a storm and all of a sudden God has to pick us up and help us to get through that storm, I thought, it doesn't square with this story that we're going to be in tonight. I wonder if the disciples felt like they were being picked up and carried through the storm. Now, now, granted, we know Christ is with us through the storm all the time, and that's a glorious truth. And so in some sense, it's a great time to say amen, because he is there. But when we think about our lives, and we think about the storms that come in our lives, I think it's, it's helpful for us to realize that he didn't just pick us up while we were going through the storm. He, he was the one that brought the storm. The storm was actually caused by him or allowed by him. And that for a time, it just might have seemed like we were going it alone. For a time, it might have felt like we were all by ourselves in that storm. And so that's the story we're going to look at this evening. We see the disciples exhibiting fear on multiple occasions here. And fear is something that we can all identify with because it's one of the most basic of human emotions, right? We've all experienced fear. When Jesus interacted with people, when when people met Jesus or they're with Jesus, one of the most common reactions to him was one of fear. That's interesting. Because you kind of think that, yeah, when I'm with Jesus, everything is peaceful, everything is calm, and everything is nice and easy, and it's all good. But here we see incredible fear for the disciples with Jesus, and then fear directed toward Jesus at the end. And so, as we go through life, we know we will experience fear. And I think that the parable, the parable, the story we're going to look at tonight, it really does help us to know how we should deal with our fear properly. In Mark chapter 4, verse 1, we are told that Jesus begins his teaching by the seaside. He gets into the boat, he pushes away from the sea a few, a few meters or a few feet, and then he stands there and teaches the multitude of people that have gathered, this growing, incredibly huge multitude. 
Now, Mark is about to tell us the quintessential Sunday school story about Jesus calming the storm while they're out in the middle of the lake. We've all heard it before, and I think one of the easiest ways to look at this story is just to look at it and say, see, you're in a storm in your life, Jesus can calm storms, therefore Jesus can calm the storm in your life. Good job, good stuff, let's leave, let's go. But there's way more to the story than just that Jesus calmed their storm and he can calm your storm as well. And so we'll begin reading in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. I find it very helpful as I read this story to try and visualize it, to think about what was really happening. And so Mark 4.35 says, And on the same day, when the evening was come, he said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with them other little ships. After a long day of preaching, Jesus decides that it is time that they should lift up the anchor and go elsewhere. He's been preaching there all day long, and finally he says, Hey guys, we got to stop. Evening has come. We need to go. I'd like to just get, stay on this ship and go to the other side. And so he tells us that the disciples sent the multitude away, and as, as they were finally gone, then they got on the ship with them. Jesus didn't get out of the ship. And that's, that's an interesting detail that Mark includes here. I think there are actually a lot of interesting little details that Mark includes that tells us this is a real eyewitness account, right? But Jesus didn't get out to, you know, wash up or change clothes or anything. He just stayed in the ship, and then they headed out to the other side. One of the things that is interesting as we go along is that we will see the humanity of Christ. We will see that Christ is a fully human being who goes through this, and he falls asleep. And so we'll look at verse 37. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. Mark makes it very clear that a great windstorm arose without any kind of warning. Jesus is the one that told them to get in the boat. He's the one that told them to to set sail for the other side of the the lake. And now there's this massive windstorm. The Sea of Galilee is surrounded by mountains. And if you've ever been in a place where there's mountains, you know that that weather can change very quickly in the mountains. You can have a different weather pattern come over the the side of the mountains, or you can have wind that kind of gets tunneled through the mountains, and you can have terrible weather all of a sudden. I've been hiking in the Rockies a few times, and that's happened to us. And I remember one time in particular, it was the first time we ever went hiking. We hiked like 15 kilometers straight into the mountains, up and down and up and down and up and down. And finally, we were so tired out, we had to stop and camp for the night. And have you ever had that feeling of like instant regret when you went to find something that you knew was supposed to be there, and it's just not there? And you look over and over again. Well, that feeling of instant regret, of panic, was all over my friend's face as he went to find our tent. (laughs) Now, we're in the middle of the mountains. There's no store you're running to to grab, you know, everything that you forgot. And a tent is a big deal to forget. And so he's going through and he's pulling, and he pulls out his fly, the fly of the tent, like the part that you put on top in case there's a little bit of rain, but he's got, we've got no tent. And so we thought, you know what, it's not a big deal. We'll be all right. 
let's, uh, let's just settle in here. We've got one tent that can fit at least two people. And so the, the three of us, younger guys, me and Justin and Michael, we'll just kind of tent it outside in the air. And it just so happens that that's the time of year that there are an insane amount of mosquitoes. Like, I've never seen mosquitoes like this before. It doesn't matter what you do with your sleeping bag, you can't get away from it. And so, so I jumped in the tent between my dad and my friend's dad. And they were the loudest snorers that you can ever imagine. But it was okay, because I was away from the bugs. And Justin and Michael thought if, if they get high enough on the mountain, the bugs would be better. So they went up the mountain, and they started tenting it up there. And within a couple hours, I heard people frantically trying to find shelter outside. And it was because during that two hours, we went to bed. It was a nice evening. The sun was a beautiful sunset. And then within a couple hours, it was hailing. And, and like a, a snowstorm. We had like a, a few feet of, or feet, inches of uh, snow on the ground in the morning. And these guys had gone up thinking they were going to be completely fine. But this, this storm came so unexpectedly to disastrous results for them. And I was warm and cozy in the tent beside my dad. So, weather is very unpredictable in the mountains, as it was there in the sea, at the Sea of Galilee. And these guys head out, and they're thinking they're going to have this beautiful night. And you can picture this nice night, these 12 fishermen, and then Jesus, or not all of them are fishermen, but a lot of them are fishermen. And then you've got Jesus, and, and it's an easy trip across the lake, and it's a beautiful sunset, and they're, they're you know, patting themselves on the back after a wonderful day of ministry. And all of a sudden, they're caught in this awful, awful storm. The waves are beating into the ship. They feel as though they're in... They're in the the water, and the water is the palm of a hand, and the hand is crushing in around them. They were being crushed by this water. These men, who were so accustomed to being on the water, spent their childhood helping their dad out in the fishing boat, and now most of their adulthood up to this point. And yet they're terrified. So verse 38 says, And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship asleep, on a pillow. And they awake him, and they say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Here is Jesus, fast asleep on the boat. Why do you think he was sleeping? Because he was tired. You know, you might, like, oh man, because the story is better if he's sleeping. Let's just, let's just say that he was sleeping. No. He'd been working all day. And believe it or not, teaching people all day is more tiring than it sounds. And so Jesus is just exhausted. And the storm comes and he sleeps right through it. He's in the back of the boat. And do you notice the little detail there? What's, what is he resting on? A pillow. Isn't that like a, a, a weird thought? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords that spoke all the earth into existence is now tired and, and cushioning his head with a little pillow so that it kind of relieves some of the discomfort. I can't imagine it was comfortable in the back of a ship, but he's there on a pillow. And so somebody, I don't know who and I don't know how, but somebody was chosen to go wake up Jesus. Can you imagine how that conversation went? Hey, Jesus, I hate to bother you. We're dying here. <laughs> you know, the, I mean... I, 
I don't know how you're still asleep, but just so you know, the water is in the boat and it's not supposed to be. Clearly, they were frantic. Jesus, teacher, don't you care that we're about to die? Like, Jesus, you don't pay attention. How could you not care? How could you not be aware of my circumstance right now? How come you don't know what we're going through? We're about to die and you're fast asleep. What kind of teacher are you? And so verse 39, Jesus arose and he rebuked the wind. And he said unto the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. The word great there is mega. And the idea is that he speaks one word and the wind dies completely. But instead of waiting until the sea kind of drifted to a a calm, he said, oh, and I want the waves to stop too. It says two things, and the wind is gone and the sea is a sheet of glass, a mega calm, a great calm. Here Jesus exercises the power that only belongs to the divine. I like that he rebuked the wind, that he could do that, that he could speak the one word and it was gone. But notice how he treats the disciples. Verse 40, and he said unto them, why didn't he rebuke them? Why is it that he could speak so sternly to the wind and to the waves and have them stop immediately? But then it seems as though he's able to to turn his attention to the disciples and just speak to them without rebuking them. He said unto them, why are you so fearful? Why are you afraid? Isn't the answer to that question abundantly obvious? Why are they afraid? Because the storm is about to sink the ship that they're on. Right? These are fishermen and they know when to be afraid when you're in the storm. And they were afraid. And he has the audacity to say, why would you be afraid? And then here's the kicker. How is it that you have no faith? See, he wasn't questioning their ability to read the circumstance. He wasn't wondering if they really, you know, the storm wasn't that bad. Come on. We would have been fine. Why were you afraid? No, Jesus recognizes how bad the storm was. He sees that they had a lack of faith through the storm. Verse 41, and they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This event caused the disciples even more fear. If you've ever been in some kind of storm or natural event that was insanely powerful, then you know why you would be scared of of, of natural things. right? You, You can look at a tornado, hurricane, a tsunami. If you... If you can imagine the power of a storm, then you would understand why the disciples would be afraid of that. And now a man is able to to speak one word and have it stop. They were fearful of the awesome power of the storm, but then they saw the awesome power of God and compared to the storm. And that made them more fearful but in a different way. Now they have this awe of God. Now they have this reverence of Christ. Now they're in in shock and surprise at who Jesus really is. 
I do think, when we look at this miracle, we might say, well, they've seen miracles before. They should know already. Yeah, they had, they'd seen Jesus make blind men see. They'd seen Jesus take people who were lame and, and allow them to walk again. So they'd seen this kind of miracle before. But those, are, those seem, in comparison, almost small miracles. He's showing his power over life in those instances. And we recognize that they're not small miracles. It's, it's an amazing thing that that kind of thing can happen. But on the scale, this is somebody who's just hurt, and now they're not hurt. Compared to a storm that's about to sink their ship, one word and it's gone? Who does that? What kind of power can control the natural world? This evening, we have a story that we've heard so many times. We're very familiar with. And I want to take a look at just a few lessons that I think are clear in this story. And I hope they're helpful. I hope they're encouraging. I don't know how the Spirit will use this in your life, but I I know it's been encouraging to me. And so first we see very clearly the deity and the humanity of Christ on full display. Do you see the deity of Christ here? Do you see his power over the storm? There's an amazing psalm, Psalm chapter 107, And it chronicles what seems almost like these events. Psalm 107. If you have your Bible, turn there. It's it's verse 23. He says, They that go down to the sea in ships, that do their business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord, the works of God, the works of Yahweh, and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens. These are the waves. It seems like they're mounting up to the heavens. And they go down into the depths. Their soul is melted because of the trouble. These are the people. They're terrified because of the trouble that they're experiencing on the sea. The people, they reel to and fro. They stagger like a drunken man. They they can't even stand up straight. It's so bad. And they're, they're at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. He brings them out of their distress. He makes the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then they are glad because they be quiet. So he brings them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Isn't that psalm amazing? It's almost the exact same story. But you notice the person doing all these things in this story? It's God. It's Yahweh. Because only God can command a storm to come, and then command it to cease. And so in this story, the deity of Christ is on full display. And I think it's on full display in a way that these disciples had never seen before. They knew Jesus better than we do, in a different way than we do. Yet they'd never seen this all-powerful side of him before. And it's one that was terrifying to them. We are... Comfortable with this story, I recognize that. We've heard it many times before. But can you consider that we serve a Jesus who's able to control all things natural? Tsunamis under his control? Earthquakes? All those things are under his control. He speaks and they begin. He speaks again and they, they stop. So we see the deity of Christ. We also see the humanity of Christ, right? He fell asleep. He was tired. He <laughs> slept on a pillow. 
Uh, he wanted to get away to the other side. I think he was maybe a little bit tired of the crowds. It, it had been a lot. And I know that, like in Mark chapter 137, 38, I think, he talks about the fact that he had to go to another place because he had to go there and preach the gospel as well. So I'm sure his mission and his ministry were on his mind as well. But we see the humanity of Christ falling asleep on a pillow. Because we as God, we know we can call out to him and have him be in complete control. And because he is a man, we know that he can empathize with us in our fear and in our pain and our suffering. It's a wonderful thing we serve a Savior like we do. Second thing we see is that the lesson to be learned is both in the presence of the storm and in their safety through it. It isn't just about the rescue. It's not just, yeah, Jesus can calm the storm. I think there's a lesson in the fact that Jesus brought them into the storm in the first place. What was it that brought them into the storm? If they would have disobeyed Jesus and said, no, Jesus, I'd rather sleep on the land tonight, would they have gone through the storm? Well, maybe, but it would have been on land in their tent. They'd been safe, right? They obeyed him, and that put them in the middle of the storm. And so it wasn't disobedience, it wasn't sin, it was nothing like that that brought them into the storm. It was Jesus that brought them there. And, as we mentioned before, for a a while, they felt as though Jesus wasn't present with them. He was fast asleep. He didn't know or care what was going on. And, And if you're honest, I think you've probably been through a storm in your life where you wondered, does Jesus really care? Is he really there? Is he really concerned? Does he know what my circumstance is like? Does he, does he know what I'm going through? I think we've all been there. And this story is so helpful for us because it says, yes, Jesus sometimes does bring his disciples into a storm where they feel like, I don't know if he's there. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can trust him. And then he shows them how much they really can. The lesson is in the presence of the storm and in their safety through it. There was a a wise woman that said to me the other day that Jesus teaches us wonderful lessons in the storms of life, but that if we are to study his character and grow in our faith before the storm comes, we will be much more equipped to trust him through it. In other words, We recognize that God often puts us through the storm. And when we go through the storm, we learn so much about him and ourselves that we struggle to learn otherwise. But if we're wise children of God, we will study the character of God and see how trustworthy he is so that when we do go through the storm, we're we're more ready for it. Right? We're we're knowing where we're going to turn and who we're going to trust. And that's exactly what they're learning. That's exactly what God is teaching us as we read about this story. You can trust him when you go through storms. Some people's storms might start tonight. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe yours started last week. Maybe you've been there for a while. But to know that God brought you there and that he's with you in it is an incredible comfort. The last thing we learn, I'm sure there are many lessons we can learn here, but the one that I chose to talk about is that faith is the kryptonite of fear. (laughs) You all know the story of Superman. He is indestructible, right? He can stop a speeding bullet, or he's faster than a speeding train. I'm not sure. Both. He's both, because he's awesome. 
And so you've got this guy who is otherwise indestructible, and yet he is crippled and dead when he encounters kryptonite. And here we have fear that we can attempt to conquer in many, many ways. Right? And in fact, when we look around the world, we will notice very clearly that we live in a world of fear. Right? People experience fear all the time in so many different ways of so many different things. There aren't people in the world that aren't fearful. Right? It is natural to all humanity. I think, I really do think that in our culture today, it seems even more prevalent. It's definitely talked about a lot more often. There's, there are a lot of mental health issues that happen today, and that is, that is the fear of the mind in many cases. We attempt to deal with that fear using counselors, using friends, sometimes using pastors. And some of the things that are said are probably helpful. But can I tell you something? At this moment, in the middle of the storm, when there was no hope at all, the disciples didn't need a counselor that would tell them that they were great fishermen and that they'd find a way to bring their ship to safety. It wouldn't have helped them then, because they know it's not true. It wouldn't have helped them to have a friend tell them that everything would be okay when clearly it wouldn't be okay. Or to have a pastor to tell them to let go and let God. Something else that was really spiritual. Now, some of those things might make them feel better for a moment. But what they need at that time when their ship is sinking is they need a savior. One who they can trust in the storm. One who's in control of the storm. One who can support them through the storm. And one who can speak one word and have the storm cease completely. They need a savior. They need faith in the only one deserving of their faith. Their fear was real, and it made sense in their circumstance. And we go through so many things where we should be afraid because it makes sense in our circumstance. But do you know what Jesus says here? He doesn't say, why are you afraid? Because, you know, it's not really that bad. Why are you afraid? Because you're actually awesome deep down inside. He says, why are you afraid? Don't you have faith in me? Don't you have faith? Don't you know that God is in control even when everything else seems to be out of control? There's a psalm in chapter 18. It's a psalm of David, and he has just faced um, Saul. And Saul has been trying for a long time to kill him and come close a few times. And he's got a whole army after him seeking to destroy him. And David writes this in Psalm 18. He says, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. David is in a situation where no man can help. 
And I thought that the more time that I spent in ministry, the better equipped I would be to help people get through their worst times. I thought I would learn the right things to say and, and the right you know, words and, and, and just the right way of comforting people. I really thought that, that there was a way of getting good at this. And do you know what I realized? And I don't, I don't think there's a better teacher than Pastor Dressler when it comes to people suffering. I really don't. But do you know what I've realized? That the help that people need can only come from God. It, it really can only come from God. And if David had the best friend in the world at this moment, it wouldn't have helped him because he needed God. And so what I'm saying to you, if you don't know God, if you don't have God, you need him because you can't get through the storms of life yourself. He is the only hope. He is the only Savior. He is the only God in control of those things. Trust him. And if you know him, then hold on to him. And you're going through a storm, and I know it might feel like he's not there. It might feel like you're walking by yourself. He's there. He knows. He's got a plan for it. At any moment, he can speak, and the storm would cease. But he is molding you through it. And so at that moment, when you feel like the circumstances are awful and you have no hope, trust him. Have faith. Because your faith is the only thing that can overcome your fear. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this story, this wonderful story that reminds us that Jesus Christ is the Lord of heaven, that he is all-powerful God who can command and do whatever he wills. Lord, I thank you that um, the Jesus in this story that spoke and silenced the wind and the waves is the one that we walk with all the time. And God, I pray that as we go through difficulties and trials and storms in our life, we would learn to trust Jesus through them. We would lean on him and walk with him and cry to him. Lord, help us to not just always run to people and theories and philosophies and ideas and doctors. Help us to run to the God who is in control, the only one that can truly help. There are so many people who have attempted to solve their fears in ways that are so inadequate that they never work. Lord, help us to see that the only solution to our fear is faith in Christ. Thank you for your love. Thank you for this word we've had tonight. We pray in Jesus' name.